Hello, bienvenuto. Welcome to episode three of the Colcast. I am your host, Chris Collins. Um, it is a very dreary Friday, live from the northwest of England. Um, I've put aside the studio today um, and decided to do the podcast from the car. Uh, you'll notice the podcast on a Friday, it's a day late. That is because of a technical glitch. I unfortunately suffered with my recording equipment yesterday, aka my phone, so I do apologise, but we will get episode three bashed out for you um, from from the uh, from, from the motor of the Colcast today, the uh, the Colcast car, the family vehicle, as good a place as any to talk some MMA and fights. And it's been another hectic week in the MMA and fight world. Plenty going on. Obviously, we had the UFC Moncton card last weekend. We have the UFC 230 coming up this weekend. And loads of news events that have happened in between. Um, so let's just get straight into it. Start breaking down the big news events from this week. And I suppose the biggest one is the fact that the supposed trade, 1FC slash UFC trade between... Ben Askren and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson has been finalised. DJ going over to 1FC. Ben Askren coming over to the UFC. If you are on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, social media, you would have noticed that 1FC have obviously been promoting DJ very heavily. Um, He's going to be a big star over there. Demetrius Johnson's always been the sort of fighter who's let his fighting do the talking for him, basically. He's not a trash talker. He's not loud. He's not brash. Um, Has got a a, a very vibrant personality, obviously, but people people just weren't opening up to him for some reason, whether that was... You know, it was speculated that that might be because of his weight class, the fact that he was a smaller guy... The, the fact that he's a, he's a gamer and that's not, you know, the biggest thing in North America. There, there was a load of reasons coming around. Um, who knows what it was? It might have even just been that he was just that dominant that people, you know, were, were waiting for him to lose, effectively. Uh, we, we, we've seen that before in the past. I think people started to turn on GSP just because he was becoming that dominant that everyone started to say his fights were becoming boring and Anderson Silva, people started to turn on him wanting someone to come along to beat him and... It's just a price of success, isn't it? Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm a massive fan of Demetrius Johnson. I'll obviously still watch his fights in, in 1FC. He's world-class, maybe the best that, that's ever been. He he should win a title um, over at 1FC. Um, and he's in a market now where I think the fans are going to appreciate him. You know, the, the Asian, specifically the Japanese market. You think of MMA promotions in the past... Um, and present to be fair, you know, rising going on at the moment, but the big one of the past pride, the, the crowds are different, the atmosphere is different, it's very quiet, it's very respectful of the martial arts, they're not big on trash talking, they're just big on the actual talent uh, in the case slash ring itself and, and, and the actual fighters investing in their abilities, so DJ should be a massive success over at 1FC. Ben Askren should also be a huge success in the UFC but interestingly enough there's not been much if any promotional push from the UFC for him so far there's been nothing announced on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook there's been nothing announced on the website a couple of comments here and there from the powers that be specifically Dana White who said he will get a top 5 opponent for his first matchup in the promotion but I wonder if that's going to be something that's been saved for the big UFC 230 card this weekend. Maybe some sort of announcement will be made officially. Um, that's what I'm thinking at the moment. It is a bit odd that they've not um, announced it yet. It, you know, it is a, a big signing specifically for, for diehard MMA fans who've been waiting for Ben Askren to come over to the UFC for a long, long time. So that should come out this weekend on the UFC 230 card, I think. And yeah, it's all... Um, all finalised now and tying in with that story Ben Askren was happy about it wasn't he if you again if you're if you're on Twitter you follow Ben Askren on Twitter it's been a fun couple of weeks uh, he has been calling out 
I could say the names, but then this podcast would go into two, three, four hours, I think. He's called out everyone. The one that he wants first, just from the um, the amount of times he's going to ask for him on Twitter and from actually saying it um, in a press release, is Darren Till. Darren Till's the one he's, uh, he's highlighted. Darren Till obviously coming off his um, failed championship bid against Tyron Woodley, where he was... Um, he was dropped and submitted in the second round. Um, and Darren Till's been biting back as well. So I think there'll be a, a lot of interest um, from, from Darren in getting that fight. You know, Ben Askren, I went over Ben Askren, put, puts him right right back there um, for, for title contention. It has to. And I went over Darren Till the, the other way around for Ben Askren. You know, it puts him into a title shot effectively. It would be against Tyron Woodley at this point in time. But, you know, I don't think that fight's going to happen. I think Ben Askren's just coming over just to prove he's the best, basically. I don't think he's he's coming over to, to necessarily win a title, although he, he's a, another fighter that's been speaking about the 165-pound division, which we all want to see, don't we? Um, can't understand why the UFC hasn't made that yet and just pushed well away up to 175. But it's it's a legacy thing for Ben Askren. Um, he's identified Darren Till's fir- first fight. Darren Till's obviously got a lot more eyes on him these days. It's, it's a big fight. It's... Would fit comfortably onto um, onto the, the main card of a of a pay per view, um, probably a, a co main, um, and it's a fight that realistically, looking at this, the, the the stylistic matchup, the it's the classic wrestler versus striker, isn't it? Um, I think Ben Askren would be heavily favoured in that. Although Darren Till hits like a truck is. Very, very, very strong in 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 the, the the grappling phases between obviously striking and going out to wrestling. So you're talking about your your tie clenches standing up. Um, he's obviously very adept in Muay Thai, but people often don't see about Muay Thai. They see the kicks, they see the elbows, they see the knees, they see the punches, but you don't see how adept these guys are at grappling. Um, and some of the grappling phases, um, obviously particularly standing up. You know he's he's not going to be a cakewalk for for Ben Askren if Ben Askren's thinking of putting him up against the cage, um he is a bit of a nightmare there. He lands those horrible short sharp elbows. He can create space very quickly, particularly against the cage. He's very big for the weight class. Obviously, there was talk about him going up to middleweight where he would be a normal size middleweight. It's a fun fight. It is a fun fight. I think Ben Askren would be favoured, but it's a fun fight. I hope it gets made. Um, should be an entertaining one that one. Ali Abdelaziz has come out this week. Likes to be in the news, doesn't he, our Ali? Um, saying Khabib should be paid $50 million for his next fight. That's what they're looking at. Absolutely fucking not. Pardon my French, but that's all I've got to say on that one. Khabib just does not garner enough eyes on his own. He doesn't demand enough pay-per-view revenue on his own to be able to command a 50 million dollar wage for one fight it's just not going to happen that's not that's not to say that it can't happen in the future you know Khabib's obviously bigger now more than ever after his um big win over Conor McGregor uh, last month, but it, it's just too soon, and I doubt even Connor's getting that as a as a flat fee or ever would. Connor is obviously by far the biggest star in the UFC, and rightfully so. the The money's paid, the most money's paid to the guys that bring the most eyes to the sport. You know that that's obviously simplifying it a lot. There's a lot of guys in the UFC, um, and the ladies, obviously, in fact that. Uh, drastically underpaid. Um, I think everyone in the in the sports underpaid. To be honest, I think even Connor's been underpaid uh, before. Um, for, for the amount that the amount of pain and stress and training and you know the damage you, d- these athletes take, they should be getting paid millions. All of them, they, they absolutely should. But you know the the, the biggest wages should be going to the ones who, who bring the most eyes to the sport. Khabib at the moment is he's started to get there, but he's not he's not fifty million worth, not at all. I'd I'd love it if they did pay him fifty million. Does does he deserve it? You know, absolutely. Is he going to get it? No, not at all. N- never, never. 
Um, the other news about Khabib this week is the talk that his next fight will be against GSP. This is a this is an interesting one because it's a fight. Um, it's a fight I'd like to see. It's a fight I'm sure a lot of other fans would like to see. But for me, it's a fight I'd only like to see if it was kicking off the new one hundred and sixty-five pound division. I think other than that, it's just a super fight that holds up belts. If it's one fifty-five, where could be fights next? It shouldn't be GSP. It should be Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson has won eleven straight now. Had the title unjustly taken away from him for being injured. I think, uh, specifically when you think about how how quickly he came back uh, from from the injury. You know, six months later from from having the the knee ligaments ripped off the bone, he's he's come back and put a. Uh, Putting in the performance that he did against Anthony Pettis, he, he looked unbelievable. You know, six months is that's unprecedented coming back from that type of injury. Yeah, I think he was unfairly stripped, and uh, Tony Ferguson has to be next. Has to be. You have to get to a point with. I know the UFC are trying to make the biggest fights um, for the most money, but you have to get to a point where the the sport needs to be put first again, um, and the integrity of the sport. And Tony and Khabib now both on eleven fight winning streaks in the UFC. We have to see them fight to see who's the best lightweight. Have to. There's no other fight at lightweight to be made for the title. That that is the fight. If it was at one seventy, again, it's just holding up the lightweight division. It's another six to nine months that Khabib would be out preparing for that fight, having that fight, possibly recovering from the damages of that fight. So one sixty five would be where I'd like to see that kicking off the new division. If it's not a 165, for me, I just don't see the point in it. You know, 155 has to be Ferguson. 170 is just a waste of time and it's holding up the lightweight division. So that's the fight that's been mooted anyway. We'll, we'll see if that comes to fruition. There's any more news on it over the next week. But I don't think that's the next fight for, for Khabib. Um, GSP, on the other hand... He, he can afford to sit out for a bit, sort of assess his options and decide who he wants to come back for. And and GSP is in the position now where, you know, he's done that much for the sport. If he wants to come back at 175 for the title, let him do it. If he wants to come back at 165, fight straight away for the title, let him do it. If he wants to come back at middleweight again, fight for the title, let him do it. Let him do what he wants. He's a big star. He's done a lot for the UFC um, over the last decade and more. So he, he's, earned his, um, he's earned his special place. Bonner, Stefan Bonner, the next news story, unfortunately was uh, arrested for a DUI. People, um, eyewitnesses reported that he was driving erratically um, before crashing. Um, a load of eyewitnesses then surrounded the vehicle just to make sure that he couldn't come out and hurt anyone else. There's been reports made since that he was asleep at the wheel. We've seen this before with with some people, um, some particularly ex-stars in the UFC, it is, it's a shame. And I don't like to make judgment because you don't know the circumstances of what's happened. Obviously, the mistake he's made is very stupid. He could have put other people's lives at danger. He could have put himself, himself at danger at the end of the day, like first and foremost. And... It's it, just a stupid, stupid thing to do to to get into any vehicle um, under the influence of alcohol and and start to drive. But what's led him to that point? I don't know. You know, we don't know what Stefan Bonner's going through. We don't know where his head's at. We don't know where his mental health state's at. We just honestly don't know. Um, sometimes this is just like I say, it's based on a stupid decision that the person's made. They don't want to make any regard for for anyone else's health, health or safety or their own. And sometimes it's a cry out for help because you know someone's going through a tough time and and they've just made a decision that's completely out of the norm for them. No matter what's going on with Stefan Bonner, I hope he's okay. I hope he figures it all out. Um, I don't think anyone else was hurt. It's not been reported, so thank goodness for that. Um, and yeah, send, sending out thoughts to Stefan Bonner. Um, I don't think he'll listen to the to the podcast. I think it's a bit of a stretch to imagine that Stefan Bonner would listen to the Coldcast. But you know, wishing you the best, mate. Ho- hoping everything's okay. Um, and I, I hope he gets his uh, I hope he gets his shit together. Basically, 
So that's that one. Anthony Smith is a man of the moment um, after his big, big, big UFC Moncton win last weekend. And he looked very impressive doing it. Had to ride the storm very early on, particularly. Uh, Volkan Ozdemir, like I say, when I broke down the fight last week, I, I thought someone would be getting knocked out. Uh, I did think it was going to be Volkan Ozdemir because I feel like he's just faced recently especially the the higher level of competition particularly going in there against DC for the title I, I just thought he'd get it done he's a very quick starter he's very explosive early on and you can see that from from some of his knockouts in his career and I, I just thought he'd, he'd be I thought he'd be the favourite I did touch upon though that if the fight did go to the ground Anthony Smith would be at a huge advantage, absolutely huge advantage. His jiu-jitsu is very underrated, he's very unheralded. He's obviously going to start getting a bit more attention now after his performance last weekend. But it was just a very... I don't know if it's smart what Smith did, um, taking the damage that he did early on, but you can see the game plan. Wore him out, let Vulcan Ozdemir blow his load basically for, for want of a better phrase. Um and, and then started to take the fight to him before before getting it down to the ground and choking him out in the third. That's now free on the bounce for Anthony Smith. He's knocked out Rashad, he's knocked out Shogun, two former champions at two oh five, and now he's submitted a, a former title challenger at two oh five. Is the title shot next? Maybe. It's a very, very, very thin division 205. You've obviously got Gus and John Jones fighting for the title at 232, UFC 232, the end of year card. DC's defending his heavyweight title this weekend, but he's obviously still officially the UFC light heavyweight champion. I'd imagine he would be going back down to 205. And then after that, it gets tricky. And I think Anthony Smith is at the front of that pack. So I think he should get the next shot. I think he just deserves it for the sheer fact that his body of work this year has been more impressive than anyone else at that weight division. And the, and the guys he's he's been beating are you know they're not walkovers. I know Shogun and Rashad are well past the best, but this this was the big test that this fight. Volkan Ozdemir is obviously a current contender. He's competed for the title not long ago at all. Um, he he's won big fights in the division very recently as well. And you know Anthony Smith handled him. Like handled him. Looked fantastic. Two oh five's been a rebirth for him. I think he should get the title shot next. Uh, the only other fight of note on that card to to discuss really is um, Artem Lobov and Michael Johnson, obviously the co-main. That pretty much went the way that I thought it would. Michael Johnson winning the fight comfortably. Artem Lobov is now 13 and 15 in his career, I believe. He's... You, you can't disrespect... I see this all over social media. I see people... People see these fighters, particularly with Salty Records... And it, it, it's not the greatest MMA record, let's face it. You know, he's got less than a 50% winning rate, but he's getting in there with the best in the world. The best in the world. The, the UFC is where the best fighters in the world go. You don't get an easy fight unless you name CM Punk. You don't get an easy fight. So for anyone who's not been in the UFC before to speak about Artem Lobov and why he doesn't deserve to be in the UFC is crazy. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. you got no right or privilege to even speak on Artem Lobov's ability to fight in the UFC. Give your opinion by by all means, but to, to attack him the way that I've seen some fans do this week is, you know, you're kicking a man while he's down. He's, he's just fought one of, arguably, one of the best lightweights in the world, Michael Johnson's. He's he's done work on some some of the best at one fifty five has to offer. He's beaten Tony Ferguson. He was the last person to beat Tony Ferguson. That's how good Michael Johnson is. Just because he's had a few losses recently, don't get it twisted. Michael Johnson is more than capable of dusting himself off and making another run at one fifty five. Do I ever think he'll be champion? No, I don't. But he's one of the best at one fifty five. He's one of the best in the world. Artem Lobov, give it all he could, um, give Michael Johnson as much as he could handle, but in the end it was comfortable for Johnson. I think Lobov needs to go back to the drawing board, 
and the UFC just needs to build him up again. Yeah, there's there's nothing to say that Lobov's not got the ability to 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 become a decent one forty five slash one fifty fiver um in the UFC. Um but you know, it's just a rough night at the office against a good fighter and, and Artem Lobov just needs to he needs to go back to the drawing board and it's as simple as that. I know it'd be a tough fight for him. He just doesn't at this moment have the skills to be able to take out someone like Michael Johnson, um, especially in a in a fight where it's going to go to the scorecards, which I thought it would just because Lobos are tough. He, great chin on him. Um, not that that's any praise. You, you know, you hear people say that other people are tough all the time. It's not the greatest praise. It effectively just means that you're good at taking a shot, which you don't want to be known for that. But there's nothing to say that Artem Lobov can't learn the skills he needs to to become a, a decent 145 slash 155 in the UFC so let him go away like I say let him go back to the drawing board and, and we'll see what's next um, for the Irishman slash Russian some fights that have been announced for upcoming events um, Jose Aleja versus Joe Schilling for Bellator 210 Joe Schilling uh, making his MMA return after probably about three years now since he was knocked out by uh, Hisaki Kato. Um, he's recently mentioned in some interviews that he's taking MMA more seriously now. He's put kickboxing to one side. Um, he's made that decision for financial reasons. Uh, he's training MMA full-time rather than the sort of 50-50 job he was doing before, flitting between the two sports. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of Joe Schilling we get for this next fight. He's He's been out of MMA for, for a while, um, obviously well-rested from this sport, so... We'll see how he performs. It is a winnable fight. Um, his his opponent's not fought for for a good couple of years as well. Um, fought a promotion called XKO, I think. Um, I must admit I've not not really heard or seen much of Jose Leja before. So, uh, it's I can't say who's going to win the fight. I can't break it down fairly without seeing seeing both fighters. But I imagine Joe Schilling's got uh, he's got a good chance of of coming back to coming back to Bellator and 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 kicking off his his most recent run here with with a win so that'd be interesting to see his his return for for Bellator 210 officer Chilean Jacowani um is headlining that card um Andre Arlovsky the only other fight that's been announced this week Andre Arlovsky and Walt Harris has been added to the UFC 232 card that is um a solid heavyweight addition. um so yeah, solid solid heavyweight addition. I was I was gonna say maybe it'd be on the prelims. It'd probably be at the start of the main card, I imagine. Um, obviously UFC two thirty two is the John Jones Alexander Gustafsson light heavyweight title fight. That's the one that's headlining that card. Uh, yeah, that's it's it's good addition. I imagine Walt Harris, KO artist. Um, when he wins, he knocks people out. When he loses, he tends to get knocked out. Arlovsky's I'd say he's the same, but Arlovsky, he's, he's a bit more skilled and, and multidimensional than that. You can obviously win fights, you know, by decision. He's got enough tools to, to grind out decision wins. Um, uh, he's obviously submitted people before as well. So I think that fight, obviously we'll break that down near the time, but I, f- I think you'll see Arlovsky pick up another win there. Um, if not by knockout, it will probably be a grinding three-round decision. And that will mean that we get to see Andre Arlovsky for for a little bit longer in his UFC run. Obviously, he's been doing this for a long, long time. He's uh, won the UFC heavyweight title back in, I want to say, 2004. But my memory could be completely off on that. He's obviously been around a long time, though. He's He's been across all promotions and all over the place. Came back to the UFC. Um, went on a bit of a fairy tale run before getting stopped by Miocic. He's had it a bit rough recently, but th- this should be another win for Arlovsky. Um, what he chooses to do after this, we we don't know. But yeah, should be should be another comfortable win for Arlovsky. I don't think Walt Harris has got enough in him really to 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 cause him too many problems. So, upcoming events, obviously the only main one this weekend being UFC 230. That is being headlined by DC Daniel Cormier against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Fantastic fights, uh, only a month in the making. 
Obviously, Derek Lewis winning at UFC 229 against Alexander Volkov, knocking him out of that Hail Mary right hand and ground and pound, follow-up ground and pound, with about 10 seconds left on the clock in a fight he was losing badly. Um, DC obviously coming off his um, heavyweight title win against Stipe Miocic, where he knocked him out in the first round. Again, big right hand, follow-up ground and pound on the ground. So, good event. Good event all round. Um, main card particularly is solid main card. Um, couple of important fights in there for for some of the divisions. Just to, just to touch upon it quickly. Um, and there's some big names coming back in other in other parts of the card as well. So you've got Brian Kelleher fighting on on the prelims. You've got Shane Burgos fighting fighting rather on on the prelims. Um, Lando Venata. Should be a familiar name for all you Tony Ferguson fans. He's back. Uh, he's on the prelims. He's the prelim headliner, I believe, against Matt Frivola. Um, Lando Venata, definitely one to watch. Um, if you want to see what he's capable of, just type in Lando Venata knocks out John McDessie on YouTube. That'll, that'll show you just how talented that man is. Uh, the prelims, Ben Saunders fighting again at welterweight. He takes on Lyman Good. Um, for any of you Bellator fans, you'll remember Lyman Good used to be uh, the Bellator welterweight champion before a little-known um, welterweight came along called Ben Askren and beat him for the title at the time. Uh, so Jara Eubanks, who's been the, the centre of, of all the controversy recently surrounding her um, headline in this event originally slated headline this event with Valentina Shevchenko obviously the fans backlashed because it's not really the the main event that you'd want to pay all your, your hard-earned um, your hard-earned money for for a pay-per-view so she finds herself on this card anyway she's a bit further down against Roxanne Modafferi I think the winner of that fight realistically will be next in line for a title shot obviously Valentina Shevchenko is fighting Joanna Jacek next month. Um, and the prelims are... The prelims on Fox Sports 1, rather, um, are, are being headlined by uh, Jason Knight. Jason Knight, the southern southern US uh, entertaining featherweight. He's back against Jordan Rinaldi. Uh, that, should be, that should be a win for Jason Knight. So address the, to address the main card, uh, we're starting off with Derek Brunson and Israel Adesanya. Semi-important fight for the middleweight division. Derek Brunson was on a fairly good run up until he ran into, literally, Ronaldo Jacare Souza earlier this year, January, I believe. Um, obviously, Jacare Souza catching him with the big head kick uh, and finishing him. That put a halt to any momentum that um, Derek Brunson had picked up, uh, especially with the big win that he got before that against Leo Machida. He looked excellent against Machida. That's one of Machida's last fights before he crossed over to Bellator. Uh, and Israel Adesanya, who is now 14-0, and 0, I think, um, and he's just been getting better and better as he's been moving up to different rungs of competition. Uh, the last time out, he faced Brad Tavares, and he looked outstanding. He was as... Does nobody like Israel Adesanya? Absolutely no one in the world like him. He follows the beat of his own drum in terms of his fighting style. He's a he's a monster of a striker. He's grappling. Obviously, he's working on to to, to get it up to um to get it up to the level that he's striking at. But he's striking particularly. You know, it's that dangerous that it's led him to fourteen and zero and and to a, a match up against you know arguably a top five middleweight in Derek Brunson now. Um, he really did look good against um, against Derek Brun- uh, against Derek Brad Tavares. Rather, he was as random and, and and as wacky as ever. He was coming out of all sorts of different techniques and spinning kicks. Um, tr- try to roll um, for for the leg of Brad at, at one point. He's crazy. He he thrives in chaos. Israel Adesanya. He, he likes to make things as. Uh, as random and as uncomfortable as as possible in there. There's no tempo that you can read from him at all. He just switches things up in the in a you know the the click of a finger. So it's a difficult fight. It's particularly a different difficult one to judge because obviously it's going to come down to who imposes their strong suit. If Derek Brunson and Derek Brunson is a very good wrestler. If Derek Brunson can land a takedown early 
and get to work and start start grinding out Israel. You know, it's going to be. It looks like it'll probably be a decision win for 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 Brunson. If he can't get the takedown early, and he's forced to stand with Adesanya, it's going to be trouble for him. It's going to be really bad trouble. Um, you know, no one's really been able to land very many takedowns at eyes right before his takedown defence has, has stood up to the, to the test that he's faced. Derek Brunson is obviously another step up in competition now. The, the, the biggest win of Adesanya's career is obviously Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares is a, you know, he, he, a good top 10 fighter, I'd say. Um, the, the, the Hawaiian's been in the UFC for an awful long time. Uh, and he's beaten some some good names in the in the UFC middleweight division as well. So it, it's it's just whether Israel's ready for this step up in competition. I believe he is. I don't think Brunson's going to be able to get the takedown. I think he is going to be forced to stand with with Israel Adesanya, and I think Israel Adesanya is going to get him out of there. I'll say second round TKO. The next fight on the card: Carl Robertson against Jack Marshman. Carl Robertson is to put it bluntly an excellent kickboxer he's come from a kickboxing background um, he was unbeaten up until his last fight against Cesar Muchanch Ferreira uh, in, a, in a fight that he was submitted um, with an arm triangle so that just shows you the, the key to victory basically for Jack Marshman Jack Marshman is going to have to get him down and submit him obviously not the easiest thing in the world to do but he is capable of doing it. He's got uh, a good few submissions on his record, um, Jack Marshman. And, you know, he belongs in the UFC. Um, he's He has swapped wins and losses. You know, whether he's going to be a top 50 middleweight in his career, I, I don't know. Um, he's show, shown us some flashes of, of brilliance. Um, his UFC debut against Magnus Chadenblad, he, he was fantastic. Um, and he's... He's been quite unlucky with, with the fights that he's got after that as well because obviously his two losses in the UFC, uh, Thiago Santos, who Thiago Santos, as we all know, is a, is a monster, particularly standing up, explosive, powerful, um, and in that fight with Santos, he was caught. And Antonio Carlos Jr. is a fantastic grappler. Um, there was no chance really for for Jack once he once he got to the ground with with. Um, with Antonio Carlos Jr. It was only going to go one way. So this fight, again, is it's a question again of who's going to be able to impose their strong suit. If Jack Marshman's forced to stand up, it's going to be a long night for him. But if he can get the takedown, um, get Carl Robinson down and start to get to work, I don't think Carl Robinson will be able to um, avoid the submission. So I'm going to say... I'm never going to go against my countrymen. Um, you know, Jack, Jack Marshman, Welsh lad um, from from the UK, former Bama champion, former Cage Warriors champion. He, he's fought some fantastic competition, um, obviously a lot tougher than, than Robertson's had in his very short MMA career so far. I'm going to say you see a submission in the third round from Jack Marshman, uh, and he wins that one to move to 3-2 in the UFC. The next fight on the card, middleweight again, bit of a middleweight tournament this card. Four fights in the main are middleweight, one uh, heavyweight, obviously the headlining fight of the night. But the next fight of the night is David Branch against Jared Cannonier. David Branch was obviously originally supposed to fight Jacare Souza. Jacare stepped in for the fight with Chris Weidman on short notice after Luke Rockhold was injured. He, he kicked Obviously, had to pull out of a litany of injuries. Um, I touched upon that briefly last week on the Colcast. And this should be... It's an extremely winnable fight for David Branch. Obviously, he's the former uh, middleweight and light heavyweight champion, or was over at World Series of Fighting before it came, became the Professional Fighters League, PFL. Uh, and he's beaten some really, really top guys, uh, David Branch. His boxing's ec- an excellent... His jiu-jitsu is obviously outstanding, um, and I just can't really see a path to victory for, for Jared Cannonier unless he lands a big knockout. Um, he's a big, powerful guy. He's moving down from 205, so if he does land, he's obviously going to be trouble for Branch, but I think you see Branch win this one comfortably. I'm going to say, again, second round uh, submission uh, this time. I think David Branch wears him out, gets him down, touches him up with the boxing, possibly drops him. 
follows him to the ground and submits him. Maybe uh, probably a choke, rear, rear naked choke, I'll say, second round. The co-main event of the evening. So, interesting fight, really interesting fight. And there's a lot of factors that are going to play a part in this. So, five years ago, not even that long ago, let's call it three years ago. Three years ago, Chris Weidman against Jacare Souza would have been your middleweight title fight. Obviously, times have changed. Weidman lost the title to Rockhold and then went on a bit of a rough run after that. Obviously, he was knocked out um, again in in New York um, by a, a flying knee from um, Yoel Romero. That that was a particularly bad knockout, but it was a fight he was he was winning in my opinion. Um, and then obviously he had the 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 rough but strange fight with Gegard Mousasi that didn't go his way again. And then he got back on form uh, with a win in his last fight against Kelvin Gastelum, where he he looked good. He's not looked bad in any of the losses. So you look on his record, and all you see is three losses in a row: Rockhold, Romero, and Musasi. And they're all finishes, and it looks like doom and gloom. The truth of the matter is, it's not as black and white as that. The Rockhold fight, he was arguably winning until he threw the. I'm going to say it, silly spinning kick against the fence, or against the cage wall rather, he, he was arguably winning the Romero fight, he looked really good up until the point he was caught, and then Musasi was just a bit of a, a crazy stoppage um, in a fight that they were originally slated to, to run back um, before it eventually obviously didn't happen. Uh, and I, I think that tells you what you need to know in this fight. Chris Wyman, despite being 1-3 in his last four, has still looked good. And I'm a firm believer that he can reclaim the middleweight title. I'm a firm believer that if he wins this fight and wins it in impressive fashion, he should get the next shot of the title. And I think he's definitely championship calibre. Um, he is that good. We forget about the, the the crazy run that Wyvern went on before he was beaten for the first time against Rockhold. Obviously, he was the, the big highlight was he was the man not not only to to end Anderson Silva's reign but to beat him twice back to back. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting um, to see how Wyvern looks in this one. He I think he's gonna be reinvigorated after um, a confidence building win against Kelvin Gaston last time out. I think that's going to mean trouble for, for Jacare. Um, Jacare was obviously beaten last time out against Kelvin Gastelum, not to do MMA maths. He really doesn't count at all. Styles make fights. Uh, before that, he obviously had the big knockout win against Derek Brunson, who's also fighting on the card. And he's sort of flip-flop results back before then as well. Um, obviously, had another bad loss uh, not so long ago against uh, Robert Whitaker while Whitaker was making his run to the title. So... Interesting fight, really interesting fight. The The factors are, how's Weidman going to look? Is he on his way back after a rough stretch? Is Jacare done now? Um, you know, he lost the last time out, although he didn't look altogether bad. It was a close fight with Gastelum. He's 38 now. Jacare, is that going to play a factor in, in the fight? You know, is we start started to see... After his initial run, when he first came over in the UFC, we're starting to see him maybe slow down a step now. He's, his chin's obviously failed him uh, a couple of times. and It's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to those factors, how Wyman looks, and whether Jacare really has gotten older, too old to compete at the top of the division now. And the other factors are, where is the bulk of the fight going to play out? Is it going to be on the feet? Potentially, and probably. Weidman's an excellent wrestler. Jacare only gets Weidman down, I think, if he manages to land a big shot, and Jacare has big power. He can put people away. Um, the most savage knockout I've seen him seen him um, achieve was probably the one a few years ago against Yusha Nakami, where he just folded him with one shot. Um Big, big power. It's just whether he can land those shots on Wyvern. Wyvern is a very good boxer. Obviously, he comes from that Longo Serra camp where those guys, as as a rule of thumb, excellent boxing, excellent hands, and excellent wrestling. 
Tan Jiu-Jitsu. And I think Weidman can win on the feet, definitely. I think he'll score enough points and be able to avoid enough damage um, to, to to be able to to run away with decision if that's where the fight's going to take place. Um, Jacare does tend to load up on shots. He looks for that big power shot and then tries to get obviously the fight to the ground, which is where he wants it to be. If the fight takes place on the ground, there is only going to be one winner, unfortunately. Weidman's a fantastic black belt. He's highly accomplished, but Jacare is on a whole other level. If you have a spare evening on YouTube, why don't you try YouTubing Jacare Souza's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, strip Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu match against Hodger Gracie? in which Jacare broke his arm during that match and still won. And we're talking Hodger Gracie here. You know, enough said. I don't really need to, to build on that anymore. You've seen his submissions in MMA. His, his jiu-jitsu game has obviously crossed, come across to MMA very, very well. He's an animal on the ground. Um, he's probably the best jiu-jitsu artist in the UFC Damian Meyer aside, um, and even then, you know, I think he's probably another world apart from Meyer again. He's just no joke on the ground, and Weidman will not want any part of that. So, if you see it goes to the ground, Weidman's in trouble. I'm not going to say that he's, he's definitely going to be a submission or anything um, on Jacare's side, he's going to go down that road. I, I'm not going to underestimate Weidman's ability on the ground. He's Obviously, highly capable himself. Whether he has the defensive chops to be able to avoid um, getting into bad positions and defending submissions, I don't know. Does he have the ability to uh, defend himself on the ground in terms of getting back up onto his feet? Uh, yes, of course he can. He's a, he's an excellent wrestler. So, he. <laughs> It's a difficult one to say. It's not so much a question. We know how good Jacare is on the ground. Um, it's just how good Weidman is on the ground in relation to where Jacare is. But I'd imagine if it goes down to the ground, Weidman's in trouble. I don't think it will, though. I think it'll stay on the feet. I think the majority of, uh, of the fight will stay on the feet. Um, and I think Weidman will win a decision, a three-round decision. I think he'll just score enough points. Um, with his solid boxing skills, um, uh, he'll use his movement. He'll... Stay away from from going down to the to the ground with Jacare, um, and he'll just turn it into a, a point scoring exercise. Effectively, uh, Jacare will, will load up on the big shots with his hands. He'll do it too much. He'll become predictable, and Wyman will be able to run away with a comfortable decision. I'll say thirty twenty seven. Which brings us on to the main events of the evening: Daniel Cormier against Derek Lewis. And what a fun fight this is. This is the fight that no one was really asking for a month ago. But now that we've got it, we can't believe we weren't asking for it. Um, and, and it's all come from the fact that Derek Lewis completely and utterly changed his fortunes with that right hand against Alexander Volkov. Um, and he's obviously his post-fight interview as well. Highly entertaining post-fight interview. Again, I've told you to YouTube a few things. If you can get onto YouTube and spend an evening on there, have a search for Derek Lewis's UFC 229 post-fight interview. If you've not seen it, if you've been hiding in a cave somewhere underneath a rock, have a watch of that. Gold. Um, and it's got him into a title fight with DC on short notice. Um Again, I've touched upon it last week. There are some factors with this fight that will possibly sway it. DC should be a heavy favourite. DC has obviously never lost to anyone apart from John Jones. No shame in that. John Jones is, you know, the greatest of all time. Um, I have to say he's he's beaten everyone. The only person who's ever beaten him, obviously, shouldn't have beaten him. That was a disqualification, wrongly in my opinion, for the 12-6 elbow. But they are the only losses on, on DC's record. You look at his record, black and white, he's beaten everyone else not named John Jones. He should be a walk in the park for DC. Excellent cardio, Olympic-level wrestling skills, fantastic boxing. That's getting better and better all the time. His, his hands are fantastic. You saw what he did to Stipe Miocic in his last fight with a short right hand. 
not even a, a fully extended cross. He was a short short right hand within the clinch um, that dropped Miocic. And Miocic has an excellent chin. You've got to think about who Miocic has been in there with, um, especially on his run to, to the heavyweight title and, and in his defences as well. The question is, just how injured are DC's hands, or is his hand rather? Obviously, we've heard it come out in the news that his hand's not 100%. And is that going to affect him? Has he been throwing it much in camp? Has he been training his hands? Will he be comfortable enough throwing them in the fight? Will he have it in the back of his head like, I don't want to damage the hand anymore, so I'm just going to resort to me wrestling? Who knows? But if there's any hesitation in DC's mind, it's going to affect things, no doubt about it. You're taking away two of the tools that he has taking away two of the tools he has because if you take away one hand you might as well take away the other he's not going to bother with his boxing at all which is interesting he's probably not going to want to strike too much anyway with Derek Lewis just because that is Derek Lewis's one path to victory if he lands that right hand it's game over Derek Lewis is arguably the biggest puncher in the heavyweight division it's either him or Francis Ngannou but you've seen what Derek Lewis has done when he's landed that right hand before it folds people. They don't get back up. He either knocks them out cold or he puts them in another dimension. And before they even know where they are, they're getting follow-up ground and pound. So that is Derek Lewis's one path to victory. If there is a problem with DC's hand, that could potentially allow Derek Lewis's opportunity to get in there and try and land the big bomb that he wants to land. He knows he needs to land to win the fight. The other factor for me in this is DC's attitude and how his mind is at the moment because he took this fight on short notice when he could have took a fight against someone else. Um, probably Stipe Miocic was the other opponent who was banded about a bit. And DC came out in interviews and obviously said, I'm not taking the Stipe fight because Stipe's got a lot of tools to beat me. Whereas Derek Lewis has only really got one. So this fight's a bit more of a safe bet. Is he underestimating Derek Lewis? If he is, that could be serious trouble. I don't think he is. You, what From what you've seen from DC throughout his fighting career, it's taken him obviously all the way from, from Strike Force and that heavyweight Grand Prix that, that made his name over to the UFC. He's a strip professional. He's all business, he's a grinder, he's in the gym day in, day out, and his, his work rate is like no one else that you see in MMA. Obviously, he's he's juggling being a champ champ, you know, light heavyweight and heavyweight, with his career outside, you know, teaching wrestling, being team captain at, at AKA. Obviously, he's punditry um, on, on UFC tonight and UFC on Fox, and and obviously his commentary as well, um, when he's commentating on the pay-per-views with, with, the, likes of, with the likes of Joe Rogan. Um, John Anik, um, Dominic Cruz, etc., etc. He juggles a lot of stuff, and his work ethic is insane. He, his work rate is just, you know, I don't know if anyone in the UFC matches him. I don't think it'll be the case that he underestimates Derek Lewis, but you do have to admit that it's troubling that he's saying that Derek Lewis is an easier option. I've said it before. I've said it even before in this podcast. If you're in the UFC, you are in the UFC for a reason. CM Punk aside, you are one of the best fighters in the world. Derek Lewis is one of the best heavyweights in the world. Despite his shortcomings, um, his self-proclaimed shortcomings, uh, particularly with cardio, he's one of the best heavyweights in the world. He's beaten some top, top heavyweights. And this is a big test for DC. Five rounds of avoiding that big right hand. Having said that, my prediction is... Derek Lewis, as much as he has a chance, it is a puncher's chance. As much as I love Derek Lewis, um, I just don't think he's going to get it done. DC's just far too good. He's got far too many options available to him in terms of where he wants to take the fight. He's got far too many tools, and his tools are just at a high, high level. I'm going to say that DC lands takedowns early and often. Gets Derek Lewis very, very tired to the point where Derek just doesn't want to be in there anymore. And you see either a late second round, early third round submission. 
um, probably due to due to a choke. A very similar fight, I think you'll see to the one or the two rather fights that you saw from DC with Anthony Rumble Johnson, um, just wearing down, you know, embrace the grind, use his wrestling, and eventually just get Derek to the point where he, he opens up his neck, and that's all she wrote. So I'm saying a DC win, um, and it should be all finishes for me on the main card, the Chris Weidman, Jacare Souza fight aside. Your fight tonight, I think, will be Chris Weidman, Jacare Souza. I think that'll be a highly entertaining and technical fight. Uh, obviously, they are two guys at the... Possibly not at the peak of the powers, but they are two guys right at the top of the middleweight division, um, and that should be an entertaining one to watch. And that is pretty much it from me this week. Uh, again, apologies for the belated podcast. Uh, technical issues with the recording equipment, aka my iPhone, present, uh, prevented me rather from uh, from putting the podcast on yesterday. But it's on today. I'm going to fire it back back on now, and it'll be available on all platforms. So from Anchor to Spotify to other podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and um, Pocket Casts. All the available, um, all the available platforms out there. Basically, I love and appreciate you all for your support. Thank you so much for listening to the podcasts. Um, we are nearly at hundred listeners all together now. It doesn't sound like a lot. Obviously, I know there's well-established podcasts out there that have millions of followers just for each episode. But you've got to start somewhere. And even if one person listens to each podcast, I sincerely appreciate it and um, you taking your time out your day to to listen to what i've got to say about mixed martial arts and the fight game and um, if you could please on your preferred platform uh like it rate it if you can spread the word get more people listening if you know anyone who's into their mixed martial arts um, and fight sports please point them in my direction and um, subscribe to the podcast so you know when new episodes are up and available follow me on social media so on facebook we are under cole's conclusions on twitter and instagram we are at the Colecast. Uh, give us a follow give us a like give us a share spread the word again love you and appreciate you all for the support and we'll be back next week um, for all the recap of ufc 230 and um, breakdown of some uh, future fights some some good fights are coming up in 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 the month of november um Obviously, we'll I've, should have some more fight announcements. Um, the UFC 231-232 car is not quite finalised yet, so we should see some some more news come out about them. And MMA, wacky world, crazy sport. That's why we love it. I'm sure we'll have a juicy uh, a juicy piece of gossip or two to uh, to to break down and analyse on the podcast. I am Chris Collins, your host. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll speak to you soon. 